Hello, greetings, friends. It is the weekend of Sunday, um, January 21st. We continue looking at the Gospel of Mark. Today we're going to be looking at chapter 4, verses 1 through 20. And the story we're going to hear is, is the most important story that Jesus tells. In, in Mark chapter 4, 13, we are told that Jesus said to them, If you can't understand the meaning of this parable, how will you understand all the other parables? Jesus is about to tell us the parable of the farmer who goes and plants seeds in a field. All the other parables will not make sense if we don't get this one. If we don't understand this one, we will not understand the parable of the mustard seed, the parable of the hidden treasure, the unmerciful servant, the parable of workers in the vineyards, the parable of the wedding banquet, the parable of the good Samaritan, the parables of the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son, or the parable of the good shepherd. So it's crucial for the Holy Spirit to open up the parable of the farmer to us. If we, if we don't understand this, a lot of what Jesus says will not make sense to us. So as we dive into this, we'll, we'll, let's see what, what it is that God will reveal to us uh, today, this morning. So in verse 1, um, beginning, here we go, Mark tells us in verse 1, again, Jesus began teaching by the lakeshore. A very large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got into a boat, then he sat in the boat while the people remained on the shore. The place where biblical scholars believe Jesus taught some of his parables is now known as the Bay of Parables. It's this little cove on the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee. The land around the bay creates a natural amphitheater with the land sort of sloping gently up a hill. And according to tests conducted by an archaeologist and a sound engineer, a single person standing in a boat anchored offshore could be heard clearly by an audience of several thousand. So this is a perfect place for Jesus to teach the massive crowd that had gathered. In verse 2, Mark goes on to say, He taught them by telling them many stories in the form of parables, such as this one. So what is a quote-unquote parable? The word parable or parabole, literally means to come alongside or to place alongside. The, the idea is to place two things side by side so you can compare them. This way you can examine them, you can evaluate them, you can think about them more accurately. A parable is usually a story that is an object lesson. It takes something physical, like farming, and it lays it beside something spiritual, God's truth, so we can examine it, we can think about it and understand it. Some people have said that a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Jesus is about to give us an object lesson that will help us see all other object lessons he gives uh, later on much more clearly. So from this point, parables would be Jesus's primary means of teaching crowds. That's according to Matthew thirteen thirty four. The purpose of parables was to clarify truth to believers, and this particular parable helped the disciples and us today understand why Jesus was not impressed by the large crowds that followed him. He knew that most of them would never produce fruit from changed lives because the word he was teaching them was like seed falling onto poor ground. So Jesus begins the parable in verse 3 by saying, listen. Up to this point, the word akawal has appeared only four times, and from here on out in the Gospel of Mark, it will appear 40 times. Obviously, listening and hearing to what Jesus is saying 
becomes a very key concept. All the miracles that Jesus done had done was for the purpose of proving who he was so we would listen to what he says. Every time Jesus says, listen, he's about to say something very significant, and he doesn't want us to miss it. So, as what my old pastor used to say, are you listening? The parable is about to begin. The farmer, in verse 3, Jesus says, a farmer went out to plant some seed. This parable concerns a farmer planting seed for a crop. In those days, farmers didn't plant wheat or other grain crops in rows like we see today. They broke the ground and softened the soil with a wooden plow and then scattered the seeds by hand. Often, they reversed the process, casting the seed and then plowing it into the soil. The farmer would tie a bag to his waist and then sling the seed out with his hand. His field might be bordered on one side by a fence row covered with thickets and briar brushes and bordered on another side by a footpath into town. And even when he tried to uh, conserve seed, some seed landed where it couldn't grow. Let's look at the seed. In verse 3, a farmer went out to plant some seed as he scattered it across his field. And then in verse 14, Jesus tells us the farmer plants seed by taking God's word to others. The seed represents the word of God, and the farmer represents anyone who shares God's word with others. This means if we are giving biblical counsel to someone, we are the farmer planting God's word. If we are a parent talking to our children about God's word, we are the farmer planting God's truth. If we are a student talking to one of our friends about the scripture, we are the farmer planting God's word. If we are a missionary or a pastor or a teacher, we are sharing or teaching God's word. We are the farmer planting God's word. The ground Let's move into the main point of the parable. Jesus wants his disciples and us to know that as we share the gospel and as we give biblical counsel and as we talk to others about the kingdom of God, it will be received differently by different people. So Jesus is preparing his disciples and us today to expect four basic responses to God's truth, the hard heart. The first person is, in response, Jesus mentions, is in verse 4. He says, As he scattered it across his field, some of the seed fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate it. In verse 15, Jesus explains the seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message only to have Satan come at once and, and take it away. At the time, a lot of the farmland was outside the villages and the towns, and there would be paths that went through the fields connecting one village with another, and on these paths, people, animals would walk or small wagons would be pulled over them, and over time, the footpath would become compacted, very hard, almost like a concrete or a sidewalk. And as the farmer would be throwing the seeds, some of it would land on these footpaths. Birds looking for an easy meal would simply follow the farmer and eat the seeds that fell on these hard paths. Jesus is saying that that's what some people are like when, when they hear God's word or the gospel or receive biblical counsel. They are so hard to it and resistant to it that it doesn't penetrate them at all. They could be hostile toward or very polite and respectful toward God's word. For them, God's truth just simply bounces off. What caused them to become so hard could be a number of things. Maybe uh, they let life beat them down. Maybe it's pride. It's disappointments in life with God, with others. It could be a host of things. But the bottom line 
is that they have no interest in the things of God. And because of this, their easy prey for Satan's kingdom, he comes along and takes the seed away. In other words, as soon as they hear it, they ignore it or forget it, and they go on their way. In summary, the footpath represents a hard heart. Those who have a hard uh, heart towards God's word and resist it, ignore it, have no interest in it. God's truth has no relevancy for them. Then there's the shallow heart. The second type of person or response to God's word is the shallow heart. Jesus says in verse 5, Other seed fell on the shallow soil with underlying rock. The seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plant soon wilted under the hot sun, and since it didn't have deep roots, it died. In verse 16, Jesus explains, The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The rocky ground Jesus is talking about is similar to the hard ground, except it has a small layer of, of soft dirt on top of it. It looks good, like good ground until you get underneath the surface. Right underneath the surface is, this, is a layer or rocks, and since there's no depth, whatever is planted, it can't last. It can't grow roots. And when the hot sun hits it, it, it dries up, it dies. At first, it will grow. It might, might even grow quickly, and it looks pretty good at first, but its appearance is false. There's no roots. It's only a matter of time before it withers away. And Jesus is saying that some people are like that when it comes to God's word. Jesus says, yeah, they hear the message, the biblical advice or the gospel of salvation. They get excited about it, immediately receive it with joy. They have, they have a positive response to it. Everything looks good and sounds good on the surface. They start reading the scripture, maybe going to church, maybe joining a Bible study, asking good questions. But the hot sun of life starts beating down. And Jesus says they fall away. As soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's work, as soon as they have problems at home, at work, with finances, with health, they forget about what they had heard and fall away. It may be that they were trying to live for Jesus and do things, and, but, but were persecuted for believing God's word. People started mocking them, making fun of them, rejecting them, embarrassing them uh, because they were baptized or they were going to church or they started reading their scriptures. But as soon as this little persecution comes, they, they fall away. This fall away doesn't mean that they lose their salvation, but because arguably they didn't have it to begin with. Their response to God's truth was just emotional. They received it with joy because it's good news, but it did not penetrate to their heart and, and will. Underneath the emotional excitement and appearance of commitment is a hard surface that blocks God's word from getting to the heart where transformation takes place. This falling away could take days, weeks, months, or even years. This rocky person will eventually fall away due to the pressures, stress, tests, and the problems of life. In summary, the rocky ground represents a shallow heart. Those who have heard God's word responded emotionally, but their hearts were not transformed. In spite of their initial excitement, they ultimately will reject the gospel. Their hard-heartedness is not initially apparent, being buried beneath the surface. It will take time, but their joy for God's word is going to be replaced by rejection of God's word. Brings us to the third person, the divided heart. The, the, the third response to Jesus mentions, and, and in Jesus 7, Jesus says, other seed fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plant, so they produced no grain. 
Jesus explains in verse 18 that the seed that fell among the thorns represents others who hear God's word. But all too quickly, the message is crowded out by worries of life, the lure of of uh, the world, of, of culture, the wealth, and the desire of other things. So, so fruit isn't produced. The thorny ground Jesus is talking about could, could mean two different things. The thorny ground that grows along the edges of the field. These thorns would, would grow along the fences or hedges separating one field from another. And when the farmer cast seed near the edge, some fell among the thorns. The thorny ground left after a burning um, would be this, they would burn the surface of the ground and, and then till it up. But some of those thorns and weeds would still remain in the ground and the farmer would cast seed in the thorns and the weeds and the seed would grow up together. But the thorns and the seed and the weeds, excuse me, would choke out the good seed. Though this ground looked good after it had been tilled, it was actually infested with thorns. Jesus is saying that some people are like this thorny ground when it comes to his word, to God's word. They hear God's word, but it gets crowded out. It gets choked out or pushed out by by at least one of three things. God's word gets uh, crowded out by the worries of life as they worry about health, finances, jobs, the country, their families, kids. The worries begins to pull them away from God. Instead of being controlled and driven by Jesus, they're controlled and driven by whatever they're worried about. They serve their worries rather than serving the Lord. The worries of this life has become a thorn and a weed that does not allow room for Jesus. God's word gets crowded out by the lure of wealth, the love of money. The wealth begins to crowd out God from their life. The deceitfulness of, of riches tricks uh, us into thinking that true joy and meaning are found in having things and stuff. And as a result, we would rather make more things and stuff than disciples. And over time, our interest in money outgrows our interest in the master. And we start making decisions on what makes more money rather than what makes more people love Jesus. The love for money squeezes their love for God out of their life. The lure of wealth has become a thorn. And then God's word gets crowded out by the desire for other things. This could be anything like, like working more, fishing more, golfing, working in the yard, hanging out with family, reading books, and doing something else besides listening and hearing God's word. Can we do all those things? Of course, absolutely. The problem is when those other things begin to replace God's word and they become more important than God does in our life. The desire for other things becomes a thorn and a weed, and it causes us to take God's word lightly to ignore it or to just simply just not listen at all. And the reason why we call this person the divided heart is because they are divided between Jesus and then the worries of this life, divided between Jesus and the lure of things or divided between Jesus and the pursuit of stuff. It's a double-minded person. And according to Matthew 7, they're trying to walk the broad way that leads to destruction and the narrow way that leads to life at the same time. And we can't do that. We have to choose. Jesus addressed this dividedness in, in loyalties in Matthew chapter 6, 24, when he said, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You, mu- you, will, you will be devoted to one and despise the other. As a result, no fruit is produced. So in summary, the ground of thorns represents the divided heart, a double-mindedness. Rather than possessing a love for Jesus, a heart remains captivated by a love um, for the worldly things, for temporary things. 
They will appear to embrace God's truth, but eventually the desire for the world consumes again. That brings us to the last person in response to God's word, the fruitful heart. Verse 8, still other seed fell on fertile soil, and they sprouted, grew, and produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. And Jesus explains in verse 20, And the seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or 100 times more than had been planted. The difference between these people and the rest is when they heard God's word, they accepted it. The others did not. The others may have had an appearance of accepting it and believing it, but they didn't. This person actually accepted it. Paul puts it this way in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, 13. This is why we constantly thank God, because when you receive the word of God that you heard from us, you welcomed it, not as a human message, but as it truly is, the word of God, which also works effectively in you who believe. When the good ground person hears the word of God, it impacts how they live, how they think, how they feel. When it comes to the worries of of life, God's word guides them through it. When it comes to the lure of wealth, God's word helps them manage uh, and keep, keep wealth in its proper place. And when it comes to the desire for things, for other things, God's word aligns their desires with, with God's desires. The, the good ground person is accepting the word of God. They embrace it. They receive it. They believe it. They agree with it. And they apply it. They don't just hear the word. They're transformed by the word. Jesus says that this person will produce a harvest or bear fruit. Producing a harvest from your life and, and bearing fruit is the ultimate marker of those who genuinely believe John 8, 31 or 14, 15, having been made alive by the Spirit of God. They produce fruit in keeping with repentance, according to Matthew 3. They produce the fruit of righteousness, according to Philippians chapter 1 and Colossians chapter 1. They, they produce the fruit of the Spirit, according to Galatians 5, 22 through 23. They produce the fruit of obedience, according to Ephesians 2 and Matthew 7 and 2 Corinthians 5. Jesus goes on to say these believers will produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as been planted. Not all believers will be equally productive in terms of a quantity, but all believers will be productive. They will produce God's fruit in their life. If God's fruit is not coming from their life, then God is not in their life. If they are not producing God's fruit, then they have not been accepting God's word. In summary, the good ground represents a fruitful heart. Those who hear God's word accept it and are transformed by it, producing fruit that provides they be, that shoes that proves, excuse me, that they believed in God's truth. Jesus began the parable in verse three by saying, "Hey, listen." He intended he ended it in verse nine by saying. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. So let me ask us this rhetorical question. What have we heard today? What have we understood today? What is God saying to us today from this parable? Where do we find ourselves in the parable? He, he gave this illustration to help people determine what kind of soil they represent and then to decide what kind of soil they will be. They are to faithfully cast the gospel message, and as they do, they can expect the responses they say to fall into one of these categories. Some will reject outright due to hard-heartedness. Others will demonstrate a superficial interest only to fall away the minute hardship comes. 
Still others will profess a love of Christ while simultaneously nurturing uh, this deadly affection for the, for the world. And finally, there will be some who genuinely receive the gospel, who will humbly turn and wholeheartedly embrace Christ as Savior and as King. And the genuineness of their profession will be demonstrated by the abundant fruit of transformed lives as they walk in obedience and in faith. All sinners are born with hearts that are hard, shallow, and worldly. Speaking of their pre-conversion state, Paul told the Ephesians this, Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. But our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. It's our prayer. It's my prayer. It's Paul's prayer. It's all of our prayer that we would be fertile and fertile soil for growing. Amen. And God bless.